how to feed a family of four on $82.50 a week with organic whole chicken and real food sides without coupons. And this includes all meals. So three squares a day, some snack foods going on there. That is today's episode number 123 on the Pioneering Today podcast, where we make self-sufficiency easy and teach you to grow, preserve, and cook your own food using old-fashioned skill sets and modern wisdom for a natural and self-sufficient home. I want to welcome you to today's episode. I am very excited for this episode and we're going to be getting into, we've got a guest and breaking down how to spend only $330 on groceries. So we first had it at $82.50 a week if you divide that by four. Because let's be real here for a minute. If you're eating and buying organic and whole foods, your grocery bill can begin to add up real quick like, especially when you've got a family at home and if you've got teenage boys coming up, my hand is raised here, they can really go through the food. And even with us raising all of our own meat, there's a certain months when I know we have went a little bit overboard on our grocery spending. So if you have been spending too much on groceries, then you are going to love today's episode and our special guest guest and the freebie. So I have got a quick action guide that you guys can download, eight tips to get you back on track and to stop spending too much at the grocery store on your grocery bill. So these tips are going to help you even if you aren't able to raise your own meat, if you feel that you're already pretty self-sufficient and that you've got a good amount of homegrown things stuffed into your pantry and larder because all of us would like to keep a few more of our hard-earned dollars in our pockets. Am I right? So for the show notes, including all of the fabulous stuff we're going to be telling you guys today, and let me tell you, this is a jam-packed episode with a lot of goodies. And to get your quick cheat sheet, those eight tips to get you back on track super fast, you can implement them immediately, go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and this is episode number 123. Without further ado, let's get to it. I'm really excited to introduce Tiffany from Don't Waste the Crumbs. So Tiffany, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am really excited. If any of you are not familiar with Tiffany and her blog, One, and I love it's don't waste the crumbs because as homesteaders and pioneers, we're all about using everything that we've got and then figuring out ways to reuse what we've got as well. I am very intrigued. You have a set dollar amount that you guys spend on groceries every month. And we're going to unpack this a little bit as we get going through. I am just so intrigued by this. So share how much your guys' monthly budget is every single month for your groceries. What do you spend on groceries? We spend $330 a month on groceries. And that's for a family of? There's four of us, two kids. So my husband, two kids, and my kids are 10 and eight. Okay, so it's not like they're little little toddlers and infants. They're starting to, to get into that eating. How long have you been on this budget amount? Ooh, wow, forever? No. <laughs> okay, goodness, I gotta... I have to actually think back to when my daughter 
We've been doing this, I'd say, a solid five years or so. When my daughter was two or three was when we was when we reduced it. My husband and I, when we first got married, we actually set a budget for 400 But as we had kids and got a little bit better at the whole saving money thing, we were able to reduce it a little bit. So probably for about five years, it's been 330 a month. That's pretty much what you spend every month because I know a lot of times you'll see people be like, you know, this is what we spent this much only on groceries. But mm-hmm. if you're only doing that like once every three months, if you average that out over the year, you're obviously spending a lot more. So you've been sticking to this pretty strict budget for a long period of time. Within this $332 a month, does that include toiletries like toilet paper, that type of thing? Is it only? food or how do you kind of, what's the breakdown on that? That's actually a really good question. It's a question that I'm asked often too. It used to include toiletries and, you know, diapers when my kids were in diapers and all that fun stuff. But I realized that in order to get a solid grasp on what we were spending on groceries, I was doing myself a disservice by including things that weren't groceries. So we kind of drew a line and said, if it's not food, if you don't eat it and don't use it in the kitchen, then it doesn't count because, well, just because like, how can you, you know, really figure out what you're spending on food and hone that in if you're constantly including things that go belong in the bathroom or dog food or, or whatnot. Okay. So it's just your, your food consumables that are in the kitchen that you're obviously eating. Cause sometimes when we go to the grocery store, you look at your total receipt, I'll throw some extra things in there, like maybe some cleaning supplies or whatever, you know, that's not necessarily food. So I wanted Mm -hmm. to give that distinction. And here's one of the other things, because I know people who aren't familiar with you or your blog, they're listening and they're like me. I want the majority of my foods. I don't want processed stuff and clipping coupons can be great. But personally, we try to eat whole foods and a lot of that, there aren't coupons for those items. So clipping coupons is not part of my budgeting and our grocery shopping. But a lot of times when you see those stream couponing shows, or you'll kind of see those headlines where people are like, I spent $10 and got, you know, $500 worth of groceries. <laughs> it's on those things. And so I don't really feel like that's fair. And that's one of the things that I really like about yours is you're not about clipping a ton of coupons. You're saving and your savings for the most part is on real and whole foods, so to speak. Yeah. I kind of want to talk a little bit about what are the, you know, the items that you're buying and on that budgeting and kind of break that down a little bit. Sure. So just to start talking. <laughs> yeah, just start talking, girlfriend. So I guess the average month of what we buy, it's probably going to come across as strange that, I guess it's because, you know, I'm a food blogger. So people expect food bloggers to eat a bunch of fancy food, but we really don't like we just, we eat a lot of the same things. And that's kind of one of the reasons we're able to keep our budget so low is that we buy a lot of staple things that I know I can always get a good deal on. For example, whole chickens. So whole chickens, we're committed to buying organic chicken. I have not found a local source for pastured chickens. So right now the best I can do is organic chickens from the store. I have found that pound for pound, the best deal is by buying them whole rather than you know, organic chicken breasts or organic chicken thighs and whatnot. You just get the most out of the bird when you buy it whole. So every month has at least two whole chickens. We're probably closer to three to four. Just, just kind of depends on what other sales are going on. We buy tons of fresh produce. One of my family goals is that half of what we eat is fresh produce. By default, 
it reduces a little bit of the meat consumption, which isn't like, a, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it takes up a large portion of the grocery budget. So by not eating a huge amount of meat helps to keep our budget in check. So we eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. It's starting to get a bit cooler outside. So our, the availability of fresh is a little bit limited. So I have to get creative. So sometimes I'll supplement with frozen, but by and far and large, we prefer fresh. And whole grains and beans, you know, legumes, things that will stay in your pantry that don't require a box that you can buy in bulk. And then we just make, we just make so much food from scratch. Like there's hardly, I don't even, I'm like mentally going through my pantry as I'm talking. And I don't think I have a single box in there right now, which is, which is good because we abide by the, the 80 20 rule where you know 80% of your food is the healthy version and it gives you a little bit of wiggle room but we've been doing this for so long that our wiggle room isn't even at 20% so that makes me that makes me really happy I'm sitting here giggling because that we do the 80 20 rule and most of my listeners it's the same way you know most of the things from scratch and we give ourselves grace because becoming too dogmatic can make it just a little bit crazy <laughs> and your family. Exactly. Exactly. Like who's like, who's really going to make chocolate chips from scratch? <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I love the idea of it and I'm not saying I won't ever try it someday, but realistically I'm not going to be making my own chocolate chips, especially on a regular basis. So right. I'm okay with, yeah, with purchasing the chocolate chips from the store, but of course I'm not going to purchase cookie dough from the store. So yeah, there's, right. definitely, there's definitely with a realm in there. With the organic birds, I agree with our meat. I always go organic and pasture-raised. I have to say, as a homesteader, we are really blessed. We raise all of our own meat. We raise our own organic grass-fed beef. We raise our own meat chickens and butcher them. We have laying hens, and we also raise our own organic pork. But I love hearing, because that really gives me room in my grocery budget, right? Because I'm not mm -hmm. purchasing my meat from the store. But I'm really excited to hear that you are able to still purchase organic meat and keep those numbers that low, because that can be really difficult. And sometimes I feel, I don't want to say bad, because I'm really excited that we can do that. But when I'm trying to, to help other people save on their grocery budget, I realize that not everybody's going to have that benefit that I do. And so for me to say, well, you can purchase this and this, it's going to be a little bit harder for them. So I love that you're able to do that on that budget. So what is a typical grocery shopping once a week, once a month? How often are you going to the store? I have two answers for you. <laughs> when, <laughs> when we were like diligently working hard on reducing our grocery budget, so like when we first set it at 3.30 and it was because working within a budget is not always easy to do. Some months are just easier and some months are harder. So especially when you're reducing it from a higher number to a lower number. So when we were actively reducing it, we did everything by the month. We would shop monthly. I meal planned monthly. And then I would just cook, you know, during the week. And sometimes I would supplement for fresh fruit and dairy as I needed throughout the month. Now, I prefer to do a combination of both because we're kind of in maintenance mode. I don't have to work so hard to stay within my budget. I've been doing it for so long, it just becomes easier. It's like riding a bike. The more you ride a bike, the easier it becomes. So I have a general amount of food, so to speak, that I buy every month, like the same amount of, of wheat berries, the same amount of flour, same amount of chicken that I just buy every month. And then I will meal plan for of a week to a week and a half because 
because I'm a food blogger, I try to include you know, new recipes in there too, which requires some looking ahead. And then I supplement each week with the fresh produce or if I'm out and about and I happen to see some clearance deals at the grocery store, then I'll go ahead and pick those up too. And that would get me through the rest of the month. So I don't like to be so strict in my meal planning and in my budget where I have the whole month planned out now, like I used to. Yeah. So now it's kind of a hybrid this way. Okay. It gives me a little bit of flexibility. That's really similar to what we do as well. And part of that is because I live way out in the boonies. I am mm-hmm. like, we're an hour away from your Fred Meyers and your Costco's and just like you, what we consider your regular shopping places. Then we do have about 15 minutes away from us, we have a smaller grocery store. And so I'm able to go in there and they do carry some organic milk, you know, and that and some fresh produce and stuff. So I can get kind of those things like where you're like, oh, you know, I just need a couple of things to get me by. Yeah. So I'm just the same as you. Definitely a hybrid. I try to do my major shopping once a month. And then if need be in between for, you know, just kind of a few things or if, yeah, there's a spectacular sale or if I'm, we call it down, we call it going down below or down river because we're in the mountains. <laughs> so it's, so there's my little localism, but if I'm already down below for say an appointment for something else, I take advantage because that's my gas, my mileage and my time and right. you know, shop there. But so very similar here. So the backbone of being able to have that low of a food budget is obviously planning out your shopping. So we're not impulse buying yes. and, and meal planning, which are two yes. very basic things. But I think a lot of times we overlook them or we get away from them. I know a lot of times when my food budget just keeps kind of creeping up and up and I haven't been diligent about using cash or just really only spending that much. It's when I tend to get away from the meal planning or life is really busy and I didn't necessarily plan for some of that. That's the backbone. But one of the things that you were talking about that I think is going to be really helpful because if you're spending, say you're like, okay, I know I'm spending too much on groceries for a month. If you've got the money, then that's not an issue. But for most people, you're like, I am spending way too much money on my groceries. So right. say you're spending you know, $600 a month on your groceries and you're like, I can't cut my grocery bill in half right off the bat. That's just not going to be realistic for me. So what's right. your steps? Because that's what you said that you've, ba- you've been able to cut back and when you're in maintenance mode now, but to get to that budget, mm-hmm. kind of what's the step for someone is like, okay, I know I'm overspending on my groceries per the month. Mm-hmm. What are the steps to start walking that back to getting it to where you want it to be? I would encourage like whoever's just trying to kind of like draw a line in the sand, so to speak of like, how do I go forward is to add up all the receipts that you have from the past month. And I kind of, so I teach a course called grocery budget bootcamp. And in my course, I tell my readers to not cheat. So don't, don't cheat when you do this. <laughs> like, don't just say, Oh, I think I spent, at Kroger because (laughs) odds are you actually spent like twice as much, if not three times as much. Do the due diligence, go dig up receipts, you know, look up your bank statements, your credit card statements, however you spend your money to buy your groceries, however, which way you got to do it, go get the most accurate number you possibly can. And then just start there. And so for this month, say, okay, last month I spent $600. Then this month, I'm just not going to spend more than that. And that's the best way to just take that teeny tiny baby step forward. And then once you can do that for a month, I call that gaining momentum. It's kind of like a little win, like a football, right? It seems like all the winning teams are always winning. Well, having that first win is what pushes you to keep on wanting to win. So if you can just stick to whatever you spent last month, 
for this month, call that a win. And if it was really easy, then go ahead and trim, I would say, 10% off. And you keep doing that. As soon as it starts getting challenging, where you're thinking, you know, it's mid-month and you're like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the end of next week because this is not enough money. Then you can go backwards a little bit, maybe add 10% back in or 5%, just kind of, you know, to narrow it down. If you think of it in terms of a funnel, we're starting at the very top of a funnel and having to slowly narrow ourselves down till we get to a number that works well for us as a family, that works well for where you live, that works well for what you want to eat, what you have to eat, you know, like dietary restraints and allergies and all that stuff. Plus for the food that you want to buy, because if you want to buy the higher quality food, your budget by default, unless you're a homesteader like yourself, <laughs> is, is going to be more. There's just yeah. no way around it. Like you cannot feed a family of four organic and pastured meats and, and all this good, good stuff on like 50 bucks a month. It doesn't work. So we have to be realistic with the numbers, but that's would be my recommendation for starting is just figure out which is that last month and make that the goal for this month. I love that because it's very realistic because if you say, well, I'm going to have you cut everything in half, that's not realistic. You're kind of setting oh, no. Failure. And so I love that you're very practical about it. And you're actually saying, like, I'm actually surprised. I thought you were going to say, you know, 20% or something. But <laughs> so I love that because it is, you're, it's so true. And I tell people that when they're first coming into making things from scratch more at home, is to picking just one thing that you're buying from the store that you eat almost all the time, like every day or every other day. Mm -hmm. And just make that one thing from scratch until it's like part of your routine. You don't even think about it. And then bring something else in that you're buying from the store and start making it homemade. Because otherwise you have this burst of inspiration. You're like, I'm going to do this. And it's kind of like New Year's resolutions. And like two weeks in, you're like, whoa, this is way too hard. Like forget it. Oh, yeah. Out the window. So I love that it's a very realistic approach. And again, like you said, there's everybody's is going to be different. So this is going to be customizing it for your family and where you live, because it's very true where you live. I did a, my Facebook page. We asked what's the price of milk for a gallon of milk where you live. And it's shocking to see the swings just by your location on what the oh, price yeah. things are. So do you want to say you have got a free video series to help people further with this, correct? I do. Awesome. So you guys, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you can go and get all of our resources and these links for to go and check out Tiffany's free video teaching series and her different courses and things. Go to moskinorus.com and you can click on the podcast button and grab this episode. Or if you just want to be like, hey, I just want to go see those videos like right now, <laughs> then go to moskinorus.com slash grocery budgeting. So it's during the launch for the grocery budget boot camp. So the, the end of December through okay. January 2nd. So if you want to, if you want to go ahead and say the name of it, that's fine too. <laughs> so what does a typical week of your guys of like what you're actually eating and what you're creating from your meal plans and from this, this pretty low budget for a family of four. And that that's including at least on the chicken the organic meat. Mm -hmm. What is some of kind of like, you know, just a typical week look like as far as, as your meals go? 
usually on Sundays, I like to roast a whole chicken and sometimes we'll do it, you know, inside, sometimes we'll do it on the grill, but usually Sunday night dinner starts with a whole chicken and two vegetables, sometimes a potato or a sweet potato. It's really not really fancy on Sunday nights where we just, I don't know, Sundays for us is a day of relaxation and taking care of things at home and just playing. So I try to keep my meals simple on Sundays, but my strategy comes with that whole chicken because we always save the bones, like religious about saving the bones to make stock later. So those go into the freezer, but we can get at least three meals from that one chicken. So we'll serve about half, usually a little less than half, depends on the kids and how much chicken they're eating that night of the bird. So we'll serve half the bird on Sunday, but then the other half gets split between two other meals later on. So I'll usually have a stir fry-ish meal where you're adding just a bunch of vegetables and some of that chicken, and then you're serving it with whole grain pasta or rice or in a casserole or whatnot. That will be one meal. And then we'll also do sometimes a salad with the chicken or we'll do a soup with the chicken. My goal is to get three meals out of that one bird. We always have at least one meatless meal a week. And usually it's two. Thursday nights is soup night. And my husband just doesn't really like meat in the soup. So by default, that becomes a meatless meal for us. And then we do pizza on Fridays. That's our family tradition. Everything from scratch there, except for pepperoni. And then, and then on Saturdays, usually it's something else. Like if I find a really good deal on a pork roast or ground beef or something else, we'll just do something else on Saturday. But it's funny how it works because I mentioned Sunday to Saturday, but part of the reason we can keep our budget so low is because we are fanatical about eating leftovers. Nothing gets thrown away. I think I'm allergic to throwing food away. <laughs> it sounds so funny, but like I, I kind of get a little anxious when I see something in the fridge, I get overwhelmed. I look at the containers and I'm like, okay guys, I can't even cook because there's just too much food in here. That's going to get thrown away if we don't eat it. Right. And that's our hard earned money on food we have already bought. So why, why would I throw my money away? So I plan out the Sunday through Saturday, but in reality, there's also a leftover night in there too. So the meal plan gets pushed out a little bit. And so that's why I mentioned sometimes three, sometimes four chickens a month, because it really just depends on when a, when a meal gets kicked out, you know, by the time the end of the month comes, it's not four true weeks. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it, it totally does. And I try, it's funny because for the listeners listening in, in here, Tiffany and I have actually never, this is our first time talking. We've emailed a few times and, and I, we followed each other's blogs and that type of thing, but we've never actually talked before. So this is so fascinating because we do so much alike. And the reason for that is, I mean, it really works when you really are getting down to it and kind of the same thing. Sunday night, I try to do a really big dinner. So I specifically have leftovers for Monday because until just a few months ago, I was still working my day job outside the home. I was a pharmacy tech and traveling and then doing the blog and writing in, in our, our homestead and everything too. And uh-huh. so, yeah. And so for money wise, <laughs> definitely not throwing those leftovers away. But for me, it's a time, it was a time saving feature because yeah. I wouldn't get home from the pharmacy until 7 p.m. at night. Then if you're trying to cook on top of that, you know, you can't have eating dinner at 8 p.m. and then in bed by 8.30 for the kids. That's not yes. enough work and everything. 
it does definitely help save money. And some people are funny on leftovers. And I'm kind of like, but if it's the exact same food, because at the time of this recording, Thanksgiving was just a few weeks ago, you know, we, so we cooked the whole bird. And then after about the seventh night of different variations, <laughs> my kids are like, mom, can we please have something just that doesn't have turkey? In it? I know. <laughs> so I end up freezing a lot. What's your strategy for attacking leftovers? So when you open yes. the fridge door, you just see all these containers. What's your strategy for dealing with them so this food is not going to waste, but it's getting consumed as well? Other than leftovers for lunch, I kind of look at what's going to go bad first and the hardest thing to reuse. So say, for example, if I make a pot roast one week, I'll put a bunch of mushrooms in it, but then I'll have a little bit of mushrooms leftover. So my goal would be, well, what can I do with those mushrooms? Because if you, if you ignore the hard stuff, it ends up in the trash can. And that's just the reality, right? No one likes slimy spinach. No one likes slimy mushrooms. And if we ignore it, it's just going to sit there even longer. So I try to tackle those first. And I have a handful of go-to recipes that when I start to have this buildup of leftovers that I, I lean to those. So my first one is always tacos. My family loves tacos. Like they really could eat tacos every day for the rest of their lives. And nobody would be complaining. So tacos it is. So if I have these mushrooms, I might want to do a fajita variation. So I'll caramelize onions and cook up those mushrooms along with anything else that would taste good in that whole cooked vegetable medley. And that will go with tacos. Another thing I like to do is fried rice. And this works really well. If you just overestimate how much rice it you need to cook a meal. You can freeze rice and rice freezes beautifully, but sometimes you just are tired of looking at rice either in the fridge <laughs> or in the freezer, you know, cause like those little bags, they add up and you're like, okay, you know, I, I got to eat some of this rice before I even cook you even anymore. So fried rice is another good one. I like quiche just because you can throw anything with eggs and to me, it always tastes good. Mm -hmm. And then salads are another one that we use. We'll get, you know, just fresh head of lettuce, but we can toss almost anything of any amount into a salad and it'll be good. You know, random pieces of fruit or any meat, any vegetable, it always tastes good in a salad. And of course you already mentioned it, but soup is a really great one too for leftovers. Yeah, I love piling things into soup, but a lot of my soups, of course, like split pea, but then I'll still put like leftover ham and then, of course, that's where all the broth from all the, the carcasses, because same as you, I save all of the bones from everything and then end up making, you know, chicken, chicken broth and, or stock and or stock beef, all of that. So what is some of because I'm intrigued by some of your meatless nights of your yes. food, because you try to do those two times a week, which mm -hmm. I think is fabulous because meat, when you're buying it from the store, meat is a lot of times one of our biggest expenses if you're just looking at per item. So for those meatless nights, and you mentioned a lot of them are soups, so you just do like a lot of vegetable soups that are based kind of like with tomato based or like a pea or bean or just a, whatever you happen to have on hand or kind of what's your strategy for looking at serving some meatless meals? It really is whatever I happen to have on hand, but my the biggest win I would say in order to making meatless meals a success is to write down and keep a list of the meatless meals you've made that you like because off the top of my head like to be honest I'm kind of like oh man what do we eat that's meatless meals but that's because when I'm meal planning I look at my list because I know that we've made you know this soup or this type of sandwich or this stir fry ish dish 
that doesn't have meat and it makes it easier because you don't have to keep it all in your memory off the top of your head. You just have this huge list. And if you're always adding to it or if you find something on Pinterest or your favorite blogger puts up something that's meatless, I'll add it to that list too. Kind of a little note that's like, it says new. So I know it's not tried and true just yet, but that's what I do. I have whipped sandwiches. We have the, the stir fries. Sometimes we'll do a pasta dish. We have the soups. Goodness, what else? Wraps are a good one. Even meatless tacos are a good one. Just like the same concept. Salads are meatless. Just It's always a simple variation of one of the above. Mm-hmm. But, but when you mix and match with what you happen to have, it's almost like never having the same meal twice. Very true. No, I, I like that. And I'm a big proponent too, because one, it is time saving. And two, you pretty much know that for the majority of the meals anyways, that you're serving things that your kids and your husband like and will eat because that yes. is important in my house. Yes. And so I do the same thing. I've kind of got a master list of recipes or meals and not all of them necessarily even have to have a recipe, but my kids are the same way tacos are the thing. I kind of always know that at least twice a month, we're going to be serving tacos, Mm -hmm. you know, and then spaghetti once a month or, you know, just kind of those different meals that everybody loves and knows. And then I pick the other ones that when you make it and they're like, they really eat it up quickly. They really love it. There's no fighting or, you know, the bribery, like you have to eat four more bites or you are not going to have any dessert. (laughs) (laughs) So having that kind of master set of the meals that everybody likes or those recipes and that, you know, turn out well is really good. But then sometimes you get tired of them and you want to put a new one in there. And so then I kind of, I love that you have that second list, like, okay, we're going to try these out. And then when we know that they're good or not, then they can get moved into kind of the master meal planning. And for me, that makes meal planning so much easier. It's not something that I have to start out with from scratch. And I honestly don't even keep like a meal plan where I write out breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for the week. I just have this master list mm-hmm. and I will pull from it for that week. And kind of like you, once you start having a pantry and a fridge and a freezer, and then of course I've got all my canning stuff too and dehydrated stuff. Once you kind of have it stocked with the basics and you're cooking from basics and making just good old fashioned from scratch food, then you've got all those ingredients on hand. And so it's not as important for you to know exactly what recipe you're making because you're like, oh, I'm going to have to go to the store and get the ingredients to make all of this because you don't have it to pull from it from your pantry. So yeah, we have so much in common. I just, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted, I wanted to mention that, you know, sometimes you can take your list or a recipe that you love and you can tweak it just slightly. So I have this idea of enchiladas. So you may have enchiladas written down as, well, most enchiladas usually have a meat in it, but you can do a meatless version, but you can have so many different variations of enchiladas just by changing the type of tortilla or by changing the stuff that goes on the inside and by changing the sauce that you have on the outside. You could literally probably have enchiladas every week, but never really feel like you're having enchiladas every week because the flavors are so different. And I guess that's where that's where I think it's helpful for me when I look at my fridge to say, okay, what do I have? And I look at my list of meals of what can I possibly make? And I think that's what makes the family, like you say, they, they don't fight me so much. <laughs> There's not only like world war three going on in the kitchen because I'm making things that I know that they love. It is just slightly different than the last time. Yes. You feel like you have a little bit of freedom too. Cause sometimes 
if you've got this meal plan, which they, I'm not knocking meal planning, don't get me wrong, because they, it totally is a way to save time and money. But sometimes you kind of feel locked into it. And so it's oh, yeah. that you can have, yeah, just that ability. You're not locked into it. Just play with it, but use it as your backbone and your guidelines. So I yes. love that. Share where, where people can find you and then a little bit about the free, what is in the free video series that you have that's up right now so that people can go and check that out. Sure. Sure. Well, my blog is Don't Waste the Crumbs, and you can find it at don'twastethecrumbs.com. I've been doing this for several years, but just this past year, I actually created a course. I kind of, um, my readers kept asking me the same questions, and I thought I was answering them in my posts, but apparently not because I kept asking the same questions. So I said, well, okay, what do they need most? And what they really needed was help with the grocery budget, but they really needed somebody to walk them through it step by step. Like just all the posts on the internet were great information, but it just wasn't enough. And so I can't hold the reader's hand literally. So I created a course called Grocery Budget Bootcamp, which is me holding their hands virtually. And we're going to be open for enrollment soon. But in the meantime, I have this three part video training series. that's completely free. The series is called Grocery Savings Made Simple. I believe you have a link on the podcast notes for that, right? Yes, we will have a link for that in the resource section on the podcast. So the three videos are really focused on maximizing your savings at the grocery stores. I know that a lot of people can shop at farmer's markets and they can shop at, well, I mean, you grow your own food and that's totally awesome, but a large portion of my readers just they don't. For whatever reason, they don't have capacity. They don't have the desire. They don't have the land. They, so they buy a lot of their food at the grocery store. But what I realized is as we were actively reducing our grocery budget and I was spending a lot of time in the grocery store, it kind of felt like, I don't want to say it became a game, but it was almost like I knew the stores were trying to make money on me. So my goal was how can I not let them make money on me? And so that's where the basis of these three videos came from. The first one talks everything about what you should not buy at the grocery store. And it's so surprising at how grocery stores prey on us. And I'll give you a hint. It's called convenience. <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's a reason why there's batteries at checkout and why we can buy all kinds of home good things at the grocery store. So that we're going to totally talk about what you should never buy at the grocery store. And then we're going to talk about sales specifically, um, which sales to ignore because the grocery stores, I think one of their tactics is confusing us. And I don't think they do it outright, but when you see lots of different sales and it's three for five or four for seven and buy 10, get one free or 10 for 10, like just all the numbers across all the products that we buy, it just gets confusing. I kind of boil it down and tell you just flat out ignore these and just focus on these other ones, just really the ones that'll make a difference. And then the third video, we kind of change, uh, we shift gears a little bit. And instead of being on the defensive, we're going to be on the offensive side. And I'm going to teach you how to become a savvy shopper. So it's literally these little tiny tips and tricks that are going to sound so simple. And sometimes they may even sound a little silly. But I tell you, they work, especially when you do all of them together. You walk out of that grocery store with confidence, 
with everything that you need to buy and with more money in your pocket. Well, amen, because that is something that we all <laughs> want. And this is all in the free series. So that's amazing. And I know for myself that I will start to fall in a trap sometimes like, well, like I already know how to budget or I've already got, you know, my groceries pretty well. Or for a lot of us who consider ourselves to be pretty frugal and savvy people when it comes to money, that can become a trap because mm -hmm. there's always somewhere that we can do better at or, you know, just a little bit. And when you start to think like, well, I've already got it dialed in as good as it can get. Mm -hmm. and right there, you kind of open the door. I mean, there's always something more that we can learn and we learn it from other people. So a lot of times those simple and basic things that, like you said, sometimes you're like, well, that kind of sounds kind of silly, but they really do have a big benefit. And I think making sure that we kind of have our mind open, like, okay, well, there's always something more that we can learn mm -hmm. is really what keeps us staying frugal and even learning how to save more money and just in different ways and also learning what works for us and what doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a lot of uh, course graduates who took the course knowing that I call them seasoned budgeters because it's kind of like they've been there, done that crowd. They came in feeling very confident what they were doing already. And 99.9% .9 of the time they come out going, wow, I can't believe I still learned something new despite the fact that I've been doing it all this time. So yeah, you hit it right on the money. I'm really excited. I'm going to go through the three the free video series myself because I know that I have room for improvement too. And so I'm excited. And like I said, one of the, like I, I mentioned earlier, one of the, the reasons that I wanted to really talk to you is because I knew that you were coming at this from the aspect of real food, not processed stuff and just regular normal cooking from just your basic, but fresh or, or fairly, you know, whole foods type ingredients because yes. so much of what I see on grocery stuff is getting the top ramen noodles for a penny a piece or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. No, there's, there's no top ramen in my house. <laughs> right. So that's why I was really excited to talk to you and kind of learn from you and your strategy and then how to, you know, kind of put that into my own shopping and stuff even better was because I knew you were at it from where my readers and listeners and my homesteading peeps, all of us come from. And I do have a lot of readers and listeners who, you know, they want to be able to grow and raise more and more of their own food, but they're not at that place yet. So this is really going to help people when you're not at that place yet to save even more money so that you can save up for if it is, you know, investing in livestock or, you know, getting land to do more homesteading things. Because that's really when I like when we need more money in the budget, I'm like, okay, well, my mortgage is what my mortgage is unless I want to refinance and we won't even go into that. <laughs> but, you know, but it's like my grocery budget, that is one place that I know if I have to, that I can pull money out for other things that may come up all of a sudden. And I'm like, that's the only place that I can take the money from. I love that we're going to be attacking it. I think it's, I think it's great. So thank yeah, you absolutely. so much for coming on. And oh, for thank you for having me. Yeah, it was so much fun. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode of the Pioneering Today podcast. And remember, you can go and sign up to get access to these free videos. They're only going to be up for a couple of weeks. Go to melissaknorris.com slash grocery budgeting. And if you want to get the links and read this, as always, all of the show notes, full blog post written out for you is at melissaknorris.com. You just click on that podcast button. This is episode number 123, and it will take you right there. For our verse of the week, I'm over in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. 
I've been reading the book of Samuel this past week and finding so many little nuggets of wisdom and the story that I've read many times, a lot of us will remember from Sunday school and different church things about David and of course Saul and how he became the king of Israel, the first king of Israel. Not only are there a lot of reminders of things not to do, Saul kind of serves as a warning for many of us, but there's also little nuggets in here of things that we should do. And this one was particularly stood out to me when I was reading this morning. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And I think this is especially important or especially resonated with me this week is because we're nearing at the time of this recording, we're nearing Christmas and the end of 2017, and we will begin into the new year, the good Lord willing, 2018. And a lot of the things that I have wanted to do or I have done this past year it can be really easy to think that we were the ones that accomplished it or that, you know, we did some really cool things. And while I am really proud of a lot of the things that I did, I think it's really important to remember that it wasn't really me and that everything lies in upon our reliance on the Lord. So that's something that I want to make sure that I am taking with me every day and especially into the new year is that ultimately the battle is the Lord's, which means my battle is in really good hands and I merely need to rely on him. And I can't think of a more perfect verse to take with us into the new year than that. Again, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. I hope you gleaned a lot of great tips Make sure you go and sign up for that video series. I'm going to be watching it right along with you and taking notes. And then as we go into the new year, I've got some pretty fun things planned out as we talk about our food and our budgets. So you will be a step ahead of the game and entering everything right when you go through this and you have your notes. So I can't wait to be back here on the podcast with you next time. Thank you so much for spending this time with me.